0: So, so lest you think I'm the director of the whole camp, I'm the trainings director. I have uh, a supervisor who oversees all of our programs and the president of our organization. So I'm not um, all that, but um, here's, it, it all started with a, with a game of basketball, pickup basketball actually, and it was after a, a summer of camp. I remember going to play pickup, I I just enjoy playing sports, and I went to play pickup basketball, and um, about three to five minutes into this experience, I realized, number one, I was out of shape, (laughs) and number two, if I didn't make it to the bathroom soon, I was going to puke all over the gym. And and, uh, you see, I had been living under the philosophy that when I saw a happy jogger, I would take up jogging. And I have yet to see somebody who's like, nobody runs that way. And so, uh, but in that moment, I, I made a critical decision that, um, that I hated being out of shape more than I hated running. I hate, so it ju- I just barely edged it out, but I decided at that moment that uh, I hated being out of shape more than I hated running. And, and so I began to... Um, figure out how do I get back in shape and and I had uh, played sports through high school and college and um, and so I had four young kids my wife and I uh, had four kids in five years and so uh, that's just work just straight-up work um, when when you have three in diapers and, and I remember uh, some friends of ours said hey Ben you know there is a television uh, that does work for entertainment too but anyway um, I, I say all of that to say I, I began running, and I, I started to run at night after I put the kids down to bed, and I, and I would go for a run, and then I would be a wide awake for like an hour and a half, two hours. And the same time, the next morning, I had to get up, and I've never been a morning person. Um, and so mornings just got even more terrible. And I was like, this isn't working. So then I thought... What if I uh, hate being out of shape more than I hate getting up early, and and so it it slightly edged it out, and I began getting up early to go for a run, and um, I'm I'm not a uh, marathon runner. I'm not. I don't. I have yet to run in a. I think I ran in a 5K race one time when I was like 16 years old and I've, i since then I've never signed up for anything like that um, but but here's what I what I found is that I began to run every other day and doing it every other day allowed my body to recover but it continued it made a rhythm that I could live with and to do it in the morning worked for my family and worked for myself and I can look at you today and say, I no longer hate running. And there's a number of reasons I'm going to actually talk about a couple uh, a little bit later in this, in this workshop. But, but, but I tell that story because I think of the verse in um, Hebrews. I'm sure you're familiar with this. But it says, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. And the context of that passage, the context is about how as fathers we need to discipline our children because we want them to grow into godly individuals. And we have to provide that structure and framework for our kids. And so um, I think he's talking about uh, discipline as a corporal punishment, uh, spanking. And that seems painful, but if you do that over time, you're going to reap a harvest of righteousness. <clears throat> stay with me. This is, um, this is my diagram that I made up, and, 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 but I think it works. So, so stay with me. I think that when we're young, other people are responsible for us. We're born, or t- you know what I'm saying? We, we can't survive unless our, our mom dad take care of us. But as time goes on, we have to start taking responsibility for ourselves. So, so the, the, the discipline process shifts from somebody in authority over us disciplining us to us learning how to discipline ourselves. And, and so, um, now, I thought after I put this together, I thought um, actually I think over time then, if you get old enough, then it comes back down like this <laughs> because uh, my grandparents um, now are moving into uh, assisted living, and my parents are making decisions for them, and 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 I think you know that's not of their own doing; that, that's of just the, the body and the mind um, losing. But 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 I began, and here's when I when I realized I, I, I was sitting in church one day. And I grew up going to a Christian school. I grew up in a Christian family. I went to church every time the doors were open. And I remember sitting in church one day and I thought, he's not teaching me anything new. And I realized in that moment, I could either gripe and complain about it, or it was now on my shoulders to begin to learn and to grow on my own. That I no longer could blame. I needed to take responsibility. For my own, and that's why I said responsibility for my own learning, for my own growth, for my own uh, physical, mental, emotional, like all of those things, I have to take responsibility and that's what requires self-discipline. So let me give you a, a definition and, and I don't define it in words, I'm sorry, I think in word, in, in stories and pictures. So here's, here's what I think is, is, is what I want. I want my will to be in control of my thoughts, words, and emotions. I want my will to control my thoughts, what, what I'm thinking about. I, I, I have to think truth. I have to uh, live in that realm because I, what I say, and I'm a talker, and my mouth has gotten me into trouble hundreds of times, gotten me kicked out of class um, I'm, I'm just telling you and so so self-discipline biblically I think it also is referred to as self-control self-discipline uh, is, is how we work towards self-control so thoughts, words, and emotions and, 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 and let me just say a little word, uh, a little thought on emotion is emotions, sometimes emotions just hit us we, we can't control the emotion that hits us, but we can control if we dwell on it, and we can control if we change it. So that's where I believe that uh, my will can control my thoughts, my words, and emotions. But then I think biblically that I want my will to submit to God's will. So that when God says, Ben, here's what I want you to go do. Here's what I want you to take care of. I am in a place where I'm ready and able to respond to what God calls me to do. And if you look at biblically, um, not very many biblical characters finished well. For a season, they did well. But not very many finished well. And I think, not to say... um, there are a bunch of failures. But I think we actually have an edge on many of the Bible characters in the fact that we have the Holy Spirit in our lives. And that the Holy Spirit stays with us throughout the entirety. So when I when I put the, the title of this workshop together saying, I wanted to learn how to do personal discipline for long-term ministry. Here's why I titled it that because... I didn't want to do personal discipline just to finish first in the next race. I didn't want to do personal discipline in order to um, look good in front of other people. Well, let me back up and say actually that's what I initially wanted to do because I'm a people pleaser. Naturally, I want people to think highly of me. But I realized that what God thinks about me is more important than what people think about me. And so now I'm a recovering people pleaser. <laughs> and, and, I, I, I use it, and I use that as, as kind of a fun phrase, but it's true. And here's the other thing. I've been a people pleaser for 40 years of my life. And so for me to change that now... Isn't just a realization. Now it's a process over time that is going to require discipline of my thought process to change from being a people pleaser to being a God pleaser. Okay.
1: Ben, ben, yes. Question for you: Do you intentionally not have actions
0: up there with God's words and emotions? Um. No. Okay. But let me think about that because I. Here, here's what I think happens though is I think our actions stem from, from our thoughts. thoughts and emotions. Yeah. Um, but I, I, would put actions underneath there as well. Thank good. So, so for the next time I do this workshop, I'll have actually four components. That's thank you. I'm no, just curious no. if you intentionally are, did or I, no. I'm, I'm also a
1: recovering people pleaser, so thank you for giving me
0: terminology for it. So, <laughs> you know, I can describe it. So so let let me uh, pause for a minute and say, this is one of the things that I realized, is that one of the reasons why I love sports is because it helps students and adults put your will over your body. Because your body says, I don't want to get up early. I don't want to run. I don't want to sweat. That's not something I wake up in the morning and just think, man, if I could just get sweaty today, that would just be a really, no. But when my mind says this is what you've got to do and then I go and do that, afterward I get the benefits. Afterward I feel the the, the, the value of it. And so one of the reasons why I like sports is because um, now coaches provide that discipline in high school and middle school, but, but again, all of a sudden when you become an adult Unless you sign up for something, you no longer have this oversight that's forcing you. So, um, but, but, but here's the let, let me Let me just tap, tap into the, the people pleaser thing a little bit of saying, um, initially when I wanted to uh, learn, uh, I, actually it started with just running. I, I wanted to get back in shape. I wanted to, uh, I've always wanted to have a, a six-pack. I just, I just thought that would be cool. I would look good on the beach. I, like people would think that I was strong if I had a six-pack. My problem was I always started doing sit-ups about a week before spring break, and that's not enough time to actually get a six-pack. Maybe you can do it. Maybe you can do it around the clock or something. I don't know. But here's what I realized is that my identity was in what other people thought of. And there's three identity questions. Am I significant? Am I accepted and loved? And am I going to be okay? And and as you work with students, every student is asking these three questions. Here's the other thing. I think each person is asking those questions. And each one of us has one of them that's more important to us. So in my life... The accepted love piece, I come from a stable family background that I've never questioned whether my parents love the Lord and whether they love me. That's never been a question in my life. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for that blessing. Okay? But am I significant? <clears throat> I have always wanted to perform well in order to get significance. And so I've been a performance-based. And I have to realize that how well I do in discipline doesn't change who I am in Christ. Jesus answers these three questions. So so I I wanted to, to connect to that because I think when it comes to discipline, because we have to go through pain in order to get to blessing or righteousness, we have to know and believe in our why. So the what is discipline but we have to understand the why. So I have a short clip I want to show you um, comedian Michael Jr um, and, and I want you to just watch because he, sh- he demonstrates the difference between what and why in a pretty cool way. So let's, let's see if you can hear it here.
2: This is called how do I know and a lot of times when people hear the phrase how do I know well,
0: the next thing they say is what?
2: How do I know what? But the key really isn't to know what, the key is to know why. Because when you know your why, you have options on what your what can be. For instance, my why is to inspire people to walk in purpose. My what is stand-up comedy. My what is writing books. My what can be going out with some friends to eat. In fact, another what that has moved me towards my why is a, a web series that we have out now called Break Time. So every Wednesday at 3 o'clock, you should subscribe to the, to the channel. Uh, we do a series called Break Time on YouTube. So 3 o'clock, we drop a new episode. One episode in particular I'm about to show you a clip to. We were in, we in Winston-Salem. So Break Time, this is how it works. I travel the country, I do stand-up comedy, probably an hour, hour and a half at an event. And in the middle of my show, I'll just sit down and start talking to the audience. And funny just happens. Or I'll meet somebody who's really interesting. So I met this one guy, and he said that he teaches music at a school. I was like, all right, he teaches music. You know, uh, can you sing? And then uh, I'm just gonna show you a clip. Check it. So you're a musical director? Cool. Yes, sir. All right, so um, let me get a couple. Let me get a couple bars of like uh, Amazing Grace. Can you do the first part of that? Go ahead. Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Wow. That I could sing. You know what I'm All right, all right. Uh, now, once you give me the version, is if uh, your uncle just got out of jail, you got shot in the back when you was a kid. I'm just saying, let me see the little version real quick. If you know what we're talking about, just see if that exists. Let me see what you got.
0: demonstrates the difference between just what and the what, knowing your why. And for me, I realized um, that because I want to be faithful to what God has called me to do, I want to be in a place physically, I want to be in a place emotionally, I want to be in a place spiritually, where um, whether it's today, tomorrow, where I'm ready to do what God calls me to. Um, that I needed to build discipline in my life. The problem wasn't um, somebody else, the problem was with me. And I had to build discipline. And I have to build discipline in all kinds of areas of my life. And I think that's one of the reasons why people don't do workshops on this topic. Because I could tell you three areas in my life right now that I'm still I, I'm not arrived. And actually, you're farther along in, your, in those areas than I am, and I'm embarrassed because of that, because I'm not where I should be in those areas, and you're further along. But I'll say this. I have made progress, and I'm just going to share a couple things that have been really, really valuable for me in building discipline. Okay, And this is interesting. Actually, let me, let me before I jump further, let me just take, give you just a second, and, and I want you to just, just think this think about this question: What is your why? What is your Because if, if you don't have an answer to this question, the rest of the workshop doesn't matter, because you're not going to be motivated to follow through on whatever you're going after, until you know your why, and it's yours. It's not your spouse, it's not your, you know what I'm saying, but you decide that between you and God, this, this area is what I want to go after. And here's why. So, I'm going to move on. But I want to just make sure I hit that. So here's the fun thing. This, this, this is the part that's just crazy. So every the responsibility is completely on you and on me to make it happen. It's not going to happen unless you do it. But here's the best way to do it: is you need to ask for help. God didn't design us to do it by ourselves. We 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 have to take responsibility, but He can help us and others can help us. Okay. And so, so when I think of getting help, how, how God uh, helps, um, here, here's this, this passage hundreds of times, hundreds of times I've heard this. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Know the fruit of the Spirit, right? Anybody, first time you heard that this morning? I didn't think so. But it's not try harder to get self-control, what is it? It's the fruit of the Spirit. It's God's work in our lives. And so, I think of it like a greenhouse. I want to create an environment in my life where the fruit of the Spirit can grow, but it's God who's going to grow it in me. And I needed to ask Him for help. He never intended for me to do it myself. And so. One of the things that, um, that uh, helped, that God has helped me, and just, I, I take zero credit. I told you, I'm not a morning person. When I, when I was in, in college, it was rare that I went to bed before 2 a.m., okay? And it was miserable getting up for my 8 o'clock class, and somehow, because I was a science major, they always scheduled something at 8 o'clock that I had to take. But I say this, I used to hate an alarm clock. Number one, when I moved to, into college, I didn't wake up to an alarm clock because my older brother was a morning person when I was growing up, and he would always get up first and shower, and he'd yell up and wake me up. And then when my younger brother, I was driving to school, I made him get up first, and then he would yell up to wake me up, and so I never needed an alarm clock because they would always wake me up. One, one fateful day, my younger brother uh, would always yell, Ben, and I would yell, what? And he'd say, it's time to get up. And one fateful day, he yelled, Ben, and I said, what? And he said, go stick your head in a hole. And he's never to this day said that to me again. Because mornings were bad. Well, here's what happened. When I began to run in the morning and I began to get a rhythm, all of a sudden I was waking up before my alarm clock. And it didn't just happen once. It happened every single time. And so I thought, why am I bothering my wife by having my alarm clock go off? So I shut my alarm clock off and God wakes me up in the morning every time. And, and it doesn't matter, it varies. I'm not, it's not a, at five o'clock. Or, so, so if I have to leave at five and I know, all right, I go to bed, I go, all right, it's t- I got to get up at, at 4 a.m. to go for my, my morning jog. At 4 a.m. I wake up. I'm just telling you, this is how it works in my life. And here's why. Because God is for us. God is for us. If, if what you're doing is going to bring honor and glory to him, he's for us. He's going to help us. Now, I need to give you a part of the rest of the story because, um, because the other aspect is we need to ask for help from others. And, and I was, um, I'm a life coach and I was, I was, doing a life, a coaching training. And, and I went through this, this two-day training and I, I got a six-month certification. And then the organization that trained me, trained me to train other people. So I was training and coaching. And as part of that coach's training, um, there's practice conversations. And so I'm doing a practice conversation because we had an odd number of people, and so as a trainer, I had to jump in with one of the participants. And this person who was practicing coaching, was just learning, had a conversation with me. And one of the things I said is I said, one of the areas that I want to grow in, I want <coughs> to grow in memorization. I, I just want God's word to be a part of my life. And so I said, I but, but I... I I grew up, and there was always rewards for memorizing. And now that there's not a reward for memorizing, I don't do it anymore, because it's work. And I don't like work, particularly. Actually, I tend to be lazy, truth be told. And so I, I thought, this is a really nice picture, but here's the, here's the truth. Oh, man, I just messed it up. Um, this is what actually... I found works for me is the Uversion version app because I always have my phone with me and whenever I have a window of time I can pull out my phone and I can work on my memorization as I'm in this conversation though I realized I can't just do this on my own as part of my plan I decided I'm gonna call a friend of mine and on Fridays I'm, I'm gonna ask him if I can call him on Friday and say my verses to him. And he agreed, and that was five years ago. And every week, I memorize, and every Friday, I'll call him tomorrow, at some point during the day, or he'll call me now, and I I have to be ready with my verses. Now, here's what I'm telling you, okay? Memorization. um, I can learn five, I, I can learn your names in about five minutes right now. You can walk out of here tomorrow if you come back in. If you change clothes, I'll have to memorize again because I'm so visual in my memorization. But here's what I find, is that repetition is what helps me learn. And repetition is what helps build discipline in my life. And then, when I memorize, here's what happened. When I'm running in the morning, that's my time with God, to go over my verses. And so God wakes me up because that's the time that I have consistently built into my schedule to spend with him, and he's motivated to meet me there. And I'm motivated to meet him there now. So when five o'clock came this morning, I didn't pull myself out of bed groggily. I was ready to go. And it doesn't matter, I, I prefer outside, I run year round, doesn't matter if it's snowing, doesn't matter if it's raining. Thunderstorms are a problem. Physical safety is an issue. But but if I wait a half hour or if I get you know what I'm saying? Like I I can count on one finger the number of thunderstorms that I've run in this year. But but as I have memorized, here's the crazy thing is that when you do this over time, number one, it gets easier. And number two, I do five verses a week. And now five years later, I've memorized uh, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, the Sermon on the Mount. I've memorized the entire book of the Gospel of John. And I'm memorizing through Proverbs right now, and I'm in chapter 10. Now, if you would ask me John 4, verse 17, I couldn't do that for you but my motivation isn't to perform anymore, okay? And so, and, and my, but, but now I know what's in those passages because I've memorized them. I know, I'm listening to a Bible station as I'm driving in to uh, the conference this morning and they're asking trivia about which, this verse, did it come from Matthew, Mark, John, or Paul? I know the answer because I memorized it in John. As soon as he said the line, John, know it. So so I, I say, but, but it's not because I, I did the work. No, it's because I have a friend who's willing to listen to me every week. And if it wasn't for him, I would have been done a long time ago because I have a ton of great excuses that work for me every time. But when I have to tell him that I was tired or I was busy or I didn't feel like doing it doesn't make sense every time I give him the excuse. But he's willing to, to be, just listen to me. And because of that, I, be, I have become successful in that area because of his help. I couldn't do it myself. I needed his help. So, um, here's, here's one other thing I want to show you, is when it comes to finding people who will help us, we need to find people who both demand from us and support. And I stole this out of a uh, Grit by Angela Duckworth. Um, And uh, she talks about uh, this in the context of parenting for grit. And so if you have a demanding parent that's unsupportive, they're authoritative. If you have a non-demanding parent who's unsupportive, that's negligent. If you have a very supportive parent who's not demanding, very permissive. But if you have a demanding parent who's very supportive, That is wise parenting. And I was like, yes! I want to be a wise parent. And then I began to think, this is also true about coaches. A wise coach pushes their players and supports and encourages them. And then I realized, this is what I need in friends. This is what I need about people in my life. I need somebody who's going to get in my face and push me to grow and support and encourage me along the way but I now have to choose who those friends are because nobody else is going to do that for me anymore. I'm getting old and decrepit. So we need to find the right people and we need to ask for help for us to to grow. Excellent. Questions so far? Or insights beyond what I'm talking about because I will steal ideas from you too. Go ahead. Uh, so you said that
3: you had four kids in five years? Yep. Well, recently? they were five five and under. Okay. Was that recent, recently? Or uh, my recently? kids are now 14, 13, 11, okay. and 9. So how would you give encouragement to um, those who have children plus one, I mean one is hard enough, but plus one, um, in really trying to be disciplined about when it comes to and time to learn, and
0: having uh, time of prayer. Um, and yet you got a newborn to watch after. How do you I remember one night I had all four kids come down during the night at different points for different reasons. Wow. And I call it sleeping incrementally, like the windshield wiper. Um, and, and I'm guessing you you're saying some of you have experienced this. <laughs> Here here's the thing is uh, my encouragement to you is if it's a priority, you make it happen. And if, if you decide this is important enough that other things are going to have to be set aside, um, and, and so, there, so so here's, here's one, of the, one of the things that I wanted to, to and I'll, I'll, I'll go to right now, you have to create a yes rhythm. Here's what I mean by that, okay? So, Michael Singletary. Amazing linebacker for the Chicago Bears. Amazing. I mean, all pro, okay? He also was an amazing family man. Beautiful wife. I think he had seven seven kids. Somebody walked up to him and said, Michael, how in the world are you at the top of your game on the field and the top of your game in your family? And he said, it boils down to this, discipline. And they asked him, well, what do you mean by discipline? He says, it's deciding what you say yes to. And so he made a decision. See, I always thought discipline was saying no to things. Right. No, discipline is about saying yes to what you want, and then you say yes to that thing over and over and over. It does make you say no to other things. Okay? But when, when you, but you say, no, this is my yes, you, have, you create the yes rhythm. So yes, 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 I'm going to do this. I'm committed to this. And if that means I don't eat, if that means I don't sleep, I'm committed to doing this. This is important to me. Yes. Okay? Um, So, so in, in, in going off of that, here, here's a, a verse from Second uh, Peter chapter 1. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith, goodness, to goodness, knowledge, to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, mutual affection, to mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive, in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, I want to be effective and productive, so I have to build self control. I, I, have, I have to develop that character quality so that I become effective and productive. I like to teach him the positive, not the negative, but Peter used that, he said that it's going to keep you from being ineffective and unproductive. Okay? So, so here's one of the things you have to figure out is you have to build a personal plan that fits. And here's where I don't think anybody is a carbon copy. And so from, I'm, I shared part of my story, not to brag, but just as an example, because you your plan is going to look different for you. And I'm told, like, so don't, don't even bother with my plan. Maybe, maybe it's cycling that's physically for you. Maybe it's not even in the physical realm that you want to build discipline, okay? Maybe it's in the spiritual realm. Maybe it's in the financial realm that you're working on toward long-term ministry, okay? But I think these principles apply all the way through. You have to build a plan, okay? And and, and here's where um, I I think it's not just, um, things don't just happen. Like, it takes effort to get there. So I just want to show you just this, this is just a little little fun video. So this is how I like to build personal discipline. (laughs) It's like, can you park the car right over here a minute? Like, So I, I show you that just to break it up and to make you laugh. But I also realized that this guy, it wasn't the first time he parked a car, was it? <laughs> I've been practicing 100 times, 200 times in order to be able to perform that gay. He was a stunt driver, right? It's the same thing in our lives. It just doesn't happen the first time. We don't get it right the first time. It takes a plan and we've got to work the plan in order to get better. So, um, so one of the things, And and this this verse jumped out to me uh, in Matthew, and I can't find it here. A minute, let me show you. Here we go. In Matthew chapter twenty six, verse twenty six to twenty seven. Look at the birds of the air; they do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And and so this is in the context of, of don't worry. But but I begin to think about those birds of the air, okay? The birds of the air, they don't sow or reap or store away in barns, yet God feeds them, right? How does God feed them? He puts out the seed somewhere. And every day, they get up in the morning and they go look for the food. Right? God provides, but it requires effort on their part. And so it, it's a yes and. God provides, he'll give us the help, but it's going to require us doing. It's going to require something from us to, to make it happen. So, so I began to think about um, as putting a personal plan together. Number one, you have to decide what you're going after, and then you want to decide how you want to make that happen. So if this is a priority, what does it look like? And then this is... This, I'm so simple. Start with one thing and start with doing one thing toward that one thing. Don't try to hit all areas at once. Don't have a... It's too much. Because change requires you (laughs) to stop doing something to start doing something else. And so, so start with... What, what's the one thing I'm going after, and then what's the one thing I'm going to start with? So for me, I started with running. And once I got running down, then I moved to memorizing. And once I got memorizing down, then I worked on another area. You know what I'm saying? And, and so, and I still have three more. Like right now that I, I need to get to, and I'm not there yet. But that's Okay. Because I'm I'm making progress, and i got to think beyond just the right now. i got to think big picture long term. And if I make progress this month, I'm going to be at a different place a month from now. If I make progress each month, I'm going to be at a much different place a year from now. And so I, I have to remind myself, don't think the short term, think the long term. And as I think long term, if I make mistakes, if I fail, and I will and I have failed, failure's not final. Failure's not permanent. I can get up and I can do it again. Go ahead.
4: I'm yeah. um, trying to uh, uh, you know, build this into the classroom. Um, and uh, I'm just uh, picturing my own students um, you know, presenting. Know, building, you know, encouraging them to build a personal climate. That, that um how do you uh, whittle down the categories, or how, like, how, like, can you can you give me can you give us some uh, uh, some good tips on you know helping them see from all the categories that make up their life. Yeah. You know.
0: First are, are you talking high school, middle school, high school? High career, school.
4: Yeah, high okay. School, high school, yeah. So, um, how could you um, help them know exactly what categories that you know that they need to build uh, personal plans for discipline in before choosing one? How do you, like, uh, It's kind of a broad question. That's yeah, sort of no, idea. that's that's,
0: yeah. and you guys can help me here. Uh, here's my thought: would be um, you 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 could break it down, and you can do it a number of ways. But you can do spiritual. Mm-hmm. You can do financial, you can do physical, you can do, but, but sometimes you can break it down even further and say, alright, what's, what's one thing that you want to get, you want to get better at reading? So reading for you is a challenge and you want to grow in reading, let's make reading your category. So you decide what your category is and then you have to define where you're going. So you want to be able to see the result. So, because so, you, you have to have a clarity on the gap between where you are and where you're going, okay? So, so it's not just, I want to get better at reading. Oh, that, that's, that's, that's where you start. But when you say get better at reading, a year from now, what does better at reading look like? I'll be able to read five books that are at a 12th grade level, Okay? now you've defined five books. Where are you at right now? Uh, zero. Maybe they're at three. We don't, you know what I'm saying? So like you have to ask the questions to help them define where's that gap. And then they put action steps to how are you going to increase your ability to read? Is that 20 minutes a day? Is that, five minutes in the morning and five minutes and that's where the plan comes together of how are you going to do this and what does it look like for you is it on your tablet is it in the bathroom I <laughs> but all the i mean and so you help them figure out what does that plan look like so that they can move from where they're at to where they want to be
1: and i would think too just thinking this out loud like having them have accountability partners somehow, like you're talking about, because for all of us, I think that's a huge part. And they could connect with somebody else who's working on the same thing somehow. I mean, that takes a level of them trusting and having a relationship, but that would be
0: a good way to model that for them as well. Is that, for, that's huge for me. I, I I give up on my own. I I need somebody else to check. Yeah. All right, so build a personal plan. Build a yes rhythm. Um, here's, here's the personal plan. Proverbs 21, five. I pray this for my, one of my daughters. The plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. So the plans of the diligent lead to profit. Now often when we hear the word profit, we think financial. And I, I think that that's okay in this context. <laughs> But I don't think it's just financial profit. Because remember, discipline seems harsh at the time, but leads to a harvest of righteousness. I would consider a harvest of righteousness profit in my life and in my students' lives. Right? So we want to build that personal plan. Um, this, This one here, we have to speak truth to ourselves. So a couple things I want to say here. Number one is, when I'm doing well, I need to tell myself I'm doing well. I need to encourage myself, you're doing well. When I'm not doing well, I need to tell myself, you're not doing well. But that doesn't mean you can't do better. See what I'm saying? So I have to acknowledge the reality where I find myself, and then I have to realize it doesn't change my identity, and I'm not where I want to be yet. I'm not where I want to be yet. And so um, the the, the last thing, and and this is um, from Carol Dweck, who's a psychologist, and you're probably familiar with this in in education of the growth mindset versus fixed mindset. Fixed mindset is something you're born with, it's fixed, uh, when it comes to skills, um, where if you have a growth mindset, it comes from hard work and you can always improve. So here, here's, I use this in my own life to say, I have to have a growth mindset about myself. I've been, I've been doing it this way for two decades. I've been married for 18 years, and we've fallen into patterns that we're used to, but that doesn't mean we're locked in there for the rest of our lives. And I have some things in our home and in our marriage that I want to be working on because I'd love for it to be different a year from now. And I have to have a a growth mindset. It's gonna require a new skill. It's gonna gonna be a challenge. It's going to require effort. It's not gonna happen the first time. Effort, if you have a fixed mindset, effort, effort is unnecessary. It's something you do when you're not good enough. But if you have a growth mindset, effort is essential, and it's a path to mastery. You've heard about the 10,000-hour thing, right? Like the golf, Dan, the golfer or whatever, learned that to become an expert, he had to put in 10,000 hours in order to become a professional golfer. Like that's the average professional golfer. That's how much golf they've done. And it's not just um, that you go play on the course. it's, it's, It's... not only do you practice, you have to do deliberate practice. Intentional areas <coughs> to practice. But it's the same thing in my life. I have to have a growth mindset. And I have to realize it's going to take effort for me. I'm going to have setbacks. And if I have a setback, do I get down on myself? Or do, what do I learn? I learned that going, doing, running at night doesn't work for me. But I learned that running in the morning does. I learned that running every day doesn't work for me. Running every other day works for me. Okay? So, so I, I had to, as, as I had setbacks, I had to learn. Um, and then feedback is where uh, you, you hear from other people, and, and you, you, as an adult, you actually have to ask for feedback a lot of times because people don't just naturally walk up to you. And a lot of times people will say nice things to you, And all of the critical constructive things they'll keep to themselves and they won't help you get better that way the people who care about you enough they tell you both you're doing really good because they they support you but they also demand more from you okay so um, as we wrap up our time together that's not the verse I wanted to go off of. That's not the verse I wanted to go off of. How about this one? John 8, 31 to 32. This is, uh, the Jews were arguing with Jesus, um, the, but, but the Jews who believed in him, Jesus said, if you hold my teaching, you are really my disciples, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And so that's where I say, uh, we, have to, we have to live our lives in truth. And my definition of truth is how God sees reality. That's what truth is. Truth is how God sees reality. And so the more that my perspective lines up with his perspective, that's when I'm living in truth. And I have to speak truth about who I am, and I have to speak truth about what I'm doing, and what I'm doing well and what I'm not, based on how God sees it, not just based on how I feel. Okay? So, some thoughts... Other ideas, insights, questions? Well, I think for me,
3: like, um, I kind of went through a period in my life in which I kind of felt like focusing on my own spiritual well-being was selfish. And I was kind of getting down on myself. Like, all right, like, obviously, like, even me being a Bible teacher, I felt like I'm pouring out in order to see these students. Growing their love for God. But I felt like I kind of went through a period in which I'm like, I'm focused on my own spiritual life, that's selfish. Uh, but then the more I read the scripture, the more God told me, you know, in order for you to actually love the ones that are in your life, you have to focus on your own spiritual life. Um, and I think our Christian culture is a lot catered towards kind of this like pouring out and then doing stuff to people and doing their stuff, and love does. And, and that, that's good and that's helpful. But what I think God brings me back to is, if I'm going to do that, I have to, like, it's imperative for me to focus on me cultivating my own spiritual life. And that sounds selfish, but in reality, I'm going to be able to love my wife more from discipline. So really, discipline um, is something that you need. Also, like, my marriage is at stake. The way I raise my kids are at stake. My job is at stake. Like, all those things are at stake. Like, my joy in God, that's all at stake when it comes to discipline. So that's just kind of the thing. Get insight. Mm-hmm. Really good insight.
1: Any other? Well, I think to what he's saying, to what you said about being a people-pleaser, too, I get the yes the part, but it is as much saying no. Like, it's taken me 40 years, too, when I realized you can't do everything, right? Yeah. And it's okay to say no. There's plenty of other people who can do the things, too, but it's hard because you want to please people, but you can't do it all because you split yourself too thin. And I think especially educators can be horribly guilty of that.
0: Because we're trying to do everything for our kids and for our families. And because I have a hard time saying no, I have to realize what I'm saying yes to. Right, you have to remind yourself. And and that that for me, I, I, I had to put it in and say, this is what I'm going to say yes to. And if I'm saying yes to this, that means it's okay to say no over here. And I used to think that I had to have something on my calendar. To say no, I don't have to have something on my calendar to say no. Because part of my yes is I have to be present for my family. And, if I, and, and it's not just scheduled time, it's the unscheduled time. And so now, I look at my week and I go, oh, all right, I got three nights that I'm gone. I'm, I'm, I'm only willing to commit to being gone away from my kids at this stage of their life three nights a week. And we do a perfect job. But that, that's, that's what I've, I've looked at and said, this, this is what is an okay rhythm. And I have a, also a wonderful wife who, um, she would never stand in front of this group. She's very kind and loving, except to me. <laughs> because she cares about me, she tells me, you're out of balance. You're out of line. This isn't okay. And so she speaks that truth to me, and then I have to make the adjustment. And she does that in love. But she's very direct. She'd never be that direct with anybody else. But she loves me. She's direct. Because she knows that's how I hear it. Otherwise I won't hear it. Good. Thank you for coming. Uh, Let me close our time with prayer and then you guys can head to the rest of your conference. Lord Jesus, we thank you that uh, you love us. We thank you that you created each one of us uh, uniquely and with purpose. And Lord Jesus, as we walk, in and toward that purpose, as Michael Jr. reminded us. Lord, help us to be faithful. God, help us to be disciplined, to say yes, to follow a plan. Lord, that we would grow in our relationship with you. And uh, Lord, that we would be effective and productive. Help us to be diligent. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.